This podcast is brought to you by MVR Painting. MVR Painting is a Newcastle-based company with a passion for painting for well and truly over 10 years. They are a small crew making a big difference. If you want the brush with the best, make sure to contact MVR Painting. You can find their pages on Facebook or Instagram under MVR Painting or email them at mark at mvrpainting.com.au. Cheers, peeps. Welcome back, fam. On this episode, we had the pleasure of sitting down with our first female guest and owner of Lissom, Nerida Bint where we talk childhood through to the darkest days of her life and how them adversities created the life and path she now lives. A true proof of vulnerability and heartfelt messages. Let's go. Let's get ready to rumble! Today is your day. Allow me to introduce myself. Top Deck. Top Deck. Top Deck. The Top Deck Podcast. Now leave your brain stimulated. Good morning. Morning. Don't stop. Let's just keep talking. That was a good roll in, so let's just go for it straight off the bat. We'll welcome our first female guest, Nerida. Oh, welcome. what an honour. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, How's your morning, you. right? It's been great. Yeah. Really good. A bit different doing it in the morning. Haven't um, recorded one in the morning. Also, a female. So, like, I like to welcome the nervous energy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a little nervous, but um, no, it's good. Yeah, it's good. So, it was I good, love it. Good little chat just before. So, we might as well just dive straight into mm. it. Now we know like a little bit about yourself. So, tell the listeners a bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Um, I'm Novacastrian, born and bred, so from Newcastle originally. I've moved away, come back a couple of times, but something just constantly keeps pulling me back here. I love Newcastle. It's a big enough city that there's enough happening here. There's beautiful beaches, cafes, restaurants, bars. We've got beautiful, um, you know, um, nature reserves and stuff like that. But it's also small enough it feels like a country town, you know. You still you walk down the yeah. main street and you see people you know and local businesses supporting each other. That's huge. That's something that's huge mm. in Newcastle. Yeah. Um, especially when COVID first sort of mm-hmm. took over. That was huge. I've seen a lot of support. Um, you know, and I mentioned that earlier on the other podcast, like Newey Burger Co. They yeah, were very, they're amazing. Yeah, they were huge oh. in leading and people offering support and free food for people that mm-hmm. actually needed it and struggled. It's, um, yeah, it's a good community. He is, like, I would have to say Ben has to be, like, the pioneer in Newcastle for constantly pushing us all to give more he just when you should get him on the podcast actually he's phenomenal yep. and his whole ethos around contribution and community is amazing he's constantly at the forefront of that yeah well, i you know you can, only, you can only keep what you got by giving it away that's right and it's so true yeah you know? his eight-year-old son has created you know a lip balm like a product for charity like his eight-year-old son's even thinking yeah, about yeah, other people special. he does surf february every year like they're a phenomenal family it's a product of his environment 100%. you know what i mean that's yeah. what it's all yeah. about yeah beautiful guy yeah legend. so what school what school did you go to i grew up in newcastle i actually grew up in carrington oh like, really all my life yeah so um what school what school well you? i'm not originally from in town okay. i grew up at it um like Glen- i went to glendale high to yeah, glendale Glen- technology high yeah. um so i grew up that way um, and we were kind of heavily involved in surf lifesaving growing up. So I was a member of Swansea Belmont Surf Lifesaving Club for, you know, 15 years. Oh, you'd know my cousins. Who's that? Uh, the Mowbrays. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Jeff Mowbray. Jeff. I had dinner with him last joking. night for my birthday. Yeah. You are kidding. Yeah, that's my uncle. He is like my father's like closest friend yep. and a massive mentor to me. Mm. He, oh. There you go. What a <laughs> yeah, There you go. That chokes me up actually yeah. thinking about him. He was the first guy he to said actually. said to say hello. I told oh, him you were coming oh, on today. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. He's amazing. Yeah. So my dad's the caretaker at that surf club. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Shit. 
You small want a small world. world. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, he's been a massive influence in my life. Massive. Yeah, he was um pretty Beautiful. pretty heavily involved with that club. Oh, big time. Mm, yeah, but so. but not in just a way of running it. Like he really looked out for people, and he. I remember like our family. I couldn't afford to get a, a board. Yep. Like I couldn't afford, you know, and I mm. loved it so much. I'd go and train, and I'd borrow the club boards, and um, I think they get donations every year, and I remember him gifting me with my first ever board. Yeah, and then unfortunately it was a green board and someone said to me not long later, that green on water's bad luck. Oh, no. Anyway, I went out a week later, <laughs> caught a wave, snapped in half. Oh, really? I couldn't believe it. I was devastated. <laughs> Jeff, give me <laughs> another I'll one. But I'll never yeah. forget him giving that to me. Oh, it was that's a awesome. Beautiful act of kindness. No, He's that's lovely. that's awesome. Yeah, they're very um, yeah, heavily involved yeah, in that sort of He's a great aspect. guy. Yeah, yeah. No, there, there you go. go. Yeah, but he said to say hello. Oh, I told him you were coming nice. on. So, um, yeah, I had... um. I had dinner with uh, Jeff and, and Renee yeah, as well. Yeah, so. Renee. I haven't seen her in years. Yeah, yeah she's so, lovely. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Small world. Yeah. Very easy. Oh, how's that? Top, yeah. top deck connecting people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think, it went, you know, being a part of that surf club has really set me up because I grew up around playing sport. I grew up around women, you know, in their swimmers, all shapes and sizes. So for me, now I look back and I look at what I've created with La Somme and I really do see that that was the foundation for me, just having that exposure to women constantly. You know, women in their swimmers, no matter what size they were, embracing their bodies for being strong and being fit and swimming and surfing and running on the beach, all that sort of stuff. And I think that I'm really grateful for that time because it's taught me a lot and it's taught me to judge myself less. How different do you think it is nowadays until – Back then with the whole image thing and the women, do you reckon it's changed a lot because well, of the social media aspect? Oh, or? 100%. Social media wasn't even a thing back then. Mm. Um, so I was lucky. I grew up – like I'm so glad I grew up without social media. Mm. Oh, God, high school would have been horrific. If, yeah, you know, I, I really feel for kids these days. Like I really feel for them. Um, they can't escape it. So I'm really glad that I didn't have that growing up. I was very sporty, you know, and I was involved in the surf club. It was the best lifestyle. Um you know, I've seen a real shift in the last 10 years. Like I feel like there's still a lot of women out there on social – I feel like there's still a push to um, to look a certain way. Like, you know, women only have to open a magazine, look at, look on the TV, look at social media, somebody else commenting or someone posting a photo of them, like sexualising themselves mm. and there's this constant message, you need to be thinner, you need to look this way, you need to, you know. Um, and what I – what the most dangerous thing I see now – and the most dangerous thing is I see women contradicting themselves. So I see women posting photos, images of them, you know, promoting that you don't need to look a certain way. You should love yourself for who you are. Mm. But yet they're still sexualizing their bodies and they're still making themselves look the best that they can, like they're wearing makeup or they've got their boobs done or whatever. And I think what's actually going on here? You're yeah. sending the wrong message. Like, you know, you're Mixed sending signals. an inconsistent mm. message. So, or I see fitness trainers still running challenges. I see women, you know, in one post saying, love the skin you're in, do this, do that. But then at the same time, they're selling a five-week challenge with diet plans. And mm. and I just think, you know, I, I've read a really interesting quote. I actually just shared it this morning. Your brand is not so much who you are, but you also have to decide what you're not. Mm. So ask yourself, what am I not? Well, I will never sexualize a woman at the Somme. I will mm. never, ever put anyone else down on social media. I'll never ever talk about someone's weight or, you know, value someone for the way they look. Like you've got to figure out who you are but also who you're not and live by that every day and you can't compromise that. You know, we used to post before and after photos. Like it's like, you know, I see women every day come into the gym 
And, you know, you ask them, what are your goals? It's always, I want to lose this much weight. I want to weigh this much. I want to get back into my jeans. I want to get back into that size dress. Cool. But I also see them come in and after two to three months, they focus on, I tell them, don't focus on the weight. Don't focus on the scales. Focus on just coming Mm. as much as you can. Focus on drinking more water. Focus on adding more vegetables, getting more sleep, just feeling better. And the rest will just happen as a byproduct of it. And then it does. So then two, three months later, I would post a before and after photo. I'd Mm. be thinking, I'd be like, look at this girl. She's stronger, fitter, healthier, happier, but she's also lost this weight. And then interestingly, I had a, a psychologist approach me. And asked me for a meeting and we sat down and I'm always, you know, I always make out like I'm very open to feedback. But then when I get it, I'm like, oh, that stings. <laughs> it's always the way. It's 100%. very hard to take in. And I remember her sitting, telling me how damaging it was that we were posting these before and after photos because young girls especially are now dieting at the age of 9 and 10 years mm. old. They're now starting to see that message, I need to weigh less, I need to eat less, I need to restrict. And so we're having a really adverse effect on them from such a young age because of social media. And I was kind of like, well, I still think that we're doing more good. So, And it's like gold. Like if I post mm. one of those transformation photos, instantly 20, 30 messages, DMs, mm. people signing up. It's like I'm running a business. So yeah, you know what I mean? It's like that tricky, yeah, situation you know. You're still, yeah. And she she sat me down. I remember the day we it was an hour or two of like back and forth debate, very respectful. And I said to her, with all due respect, I really appreciate you coming forward and I do appreciate you giving me this information, but – I don't think I'm going to change, but I'll be mindful of it in the future. Jim was all closed up and I was about to coach class. So I was like, I've got to go, got to go. And she was like, okay. I opened up the back door and, you know, we have young girls that are members of our – and I, there were five girls, 13, 14-year-old waiting. They'd walked from school, like members of ours mm. in their school uniform. And I just looked at them and mm. I just felt sick. Mm. And I have not posted a transformation photo since. No. It's, it's like, like it's good that you're creating that habit, you know, of the just them small one percenters drink more water, mm. eat more vegetables. That's where it that's the habits you need to change. Yeah. Don't focus on the on the weight, because that's gonna fluctuate. No matter what in life, you know, yes. as you get older, it's gonna be hardest to maintain. So don't let that just mm. play on your mind. Let's just focus on them small things. And it's about po- focusing on the positive. Like, like I read this really cool post once, which it was like we're always focusing on less than, but your mind, your brain doesn't register. Like, you know, I, I can't eat that. I can't yeah. do this. I can't do that. When you focus on what you want, rather what you don't want, you thrive. So it's yeah. like, okay, how can I add more water in? How can I add more movement? How can I add more weight to the barbell? How can I, you know, add to my life rather than trying to cool. minimize and yep. restrict and take away? And I'm, we're at, like, reading the, um, the, what's the habit book? Um, is it atomic? Atomic, atomic habits. habits. And it's Such that, that says the exact same thing. It's, um, you know, don't set goals, mm. set structures to reach your goals. And yeah. exactly what you just said. So yeah. you don't say, oh, I want to lose 10 kilos. Mm. Okay, I'm going to run every day to try to lose 10 kilos. Mm. And it's having them structures in place yeah. that yeah. makes you reach them goals. And it's, it's really powerful when you get to read and you can resonate and you can implement that into your life. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I love that book. It's a really good book. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It right, makes so. me fall asleep pretty quick. I have it in my ears at night and like within five minutes the heavy breathing starts and yeah, it's just a bit rough. <laughs> no, it is. It's um yeah, it's a very good book. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Let's take it back a little bit. Um you got three siblings, correct? I've got two. Two. I'm the oldest two. of three. Oh, so a brother and a sister. Yeah, right. Mm. How was um how was growing up with the two siblings? Yeah. Like they're my life, you know, they're just like the two people on the planet that I would die for. Um, We were very, very close growing up. So my parents are deaf, hearing impaired. Um, And, you know, I had a challenging upbringing. 
Um, I don't know how deep we want to go into that, but uh, totally up to you. I will say, you know, I had a challenging relationship with my father that really impacted, you know, my, you know, sense of self growing up. And it's probably only the last couple of years that I've really, really starting to understand that and unpack that a little bit and work through that. Um, and, you know, I can now see that he was just a product of his upbringing. You know, mm. it's like we're, we're all intergenerational, 100%. We are all just living on this planet in autopilot until something happens mm. and then it forces you to Correct. dig deep. And, you know, it's like no transformation didn't happen without you hitting rock bottom first. Like it's like you hit rock bottom, it's the – I feel sorry for people that haven't hit their rock bottom. Yeah. I've hit it a few times in my life. Likewise. Yeah. It's, um, I think that, you know, reading your story, re- I can really resonate from a young age. Mm. I, um, my mum was an alcoholic and I was born into addiction and stuff like that. Never met my dad, was told he was dead up until I was old enough to realise and stuff like that. So mm. then, you know, just that family system, I think it – makes you go through these adversities to get to the place where you need to be Mm. and that's sounds like similar to what you went through yeah yeah definitely like um growing up like yeah i had a really that that was always like i you know i just had this sense of something that was wrong with me like my whole life i couldn't quite pinpoint it but i just felt like i wasn't normal i felt like disconnected different 100 percent yeah 100 you know the first time I've ever really felt like I belonged was when the first CrossFit gym I joined and, you know, I had a few key people, just really kind, genuine, that were for the first time in my life like really, really positive mentors in my life, you know, and at that point I was miserable. Like I was, I would say, you know, really depressed. Um, I was in a relationship that I wasn't happy in. I was in a job that I was miserable in. I wasn't surrounding myself with great people and I was just engaging in some really self-destructive habits. So mm. I was drinking lots of alcohol, mm. you know, I was over, I was emotionally eating. I was, you know, I, I, I'd never read a book, never listened to a podcast. I was not aware. I was totally asleep. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, I love that saying, you're the average of the five people that you spend the mm. most time with because it was over time that I started to be open to this whole other side of life, you know. For the first time I was being invited to go to a seminar and listen to someone speak about their journey. And then I was given books and I was, you know, going to breakfast and lunch rather than going out for drinks and dinner. And I was, you know, we were having deeper conversations and people were actually checking in on me and, you know. How good is it? Yeah. It's life-changing. It's life-changing. Like um, I've put a lot of work in, like, you know, I've I've had like a couple of self-help books that I've read over the last sort of 12, 14 months and – when you read it, like I don't really feel like I'm taking it in, but then like last weekend, um, I went up to catch up with my mother, um, just to cheer her up a bit because she had some sad news from the, the couple of days before, and just I don't have a great relationship with my mother, but just like she sort of pulled me aside and she said, "You are just not the same person that you used to be." You know what I mean? And it just it was like wow, it just hit me like this work that I'm putting in. It's it's, it's showing, working. yeah, it's showing. And um and even like my kid's mother, my ex partner, um, you know, last month I think she actually said that exact same thing mm. to me too. She's like, "You're not the person you used to be." Yeah, that's so, so awesome. It's just rewarding. Like you're putting in that work, and yeah, you, and you're getting results from yeah. it. Yeah, so 
And you might thank not God. Feel, yeah, thank God. Thank but you God might I'm not, not the feel, same person. Oh, like, you know. Yeah, yeah 100%. Like, mm. It's your unconscious thinking it like is. that sinks yep. in. Because mm-hmm. for me, I'm a million miles an hour. So everything, really? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everything, you know, is in the front of my brain. But unconsciously, everything I learned in the last two years and all my adversities mm. are at the back. And unconsciously, when you get triggered or something comes about, I think them tools are always hit. You know, it's like you got a yeah. backpack of tools, and they're always there. And that, yeah. that's that's the beauty of being vulnerable, being open, being teachable. Mm. You know what I mean? That's like, um, and so it's not just men; it's not just women; it's everybody. It's it's a human condition. We fear what we don't know. Yeah. And you know, the biggest learning I've learned last twelve months with going through it, I went a break break up, and you know, is that people are never intentionally trying to hurt anybody. People are only ever trying to keep themselves safe. Yes. And, and that's different for everyone. You know, people have fear, abandonment, rejection, control. Security, insecurity, yeah. massive. So when people are trapped in that, they are only ever trying to keep themselves safe. They're not intentionally trying to hurt you. You know, I went through this whole thing where I was like, why is my ex mm. doing this to me, doing that to me? And then I realised, like, he is a product of his conditioning mm. and his environment and mm. he's just doing whatever he feels to keep himself safe. Yeah. And he doesn't feel safe. And there's a part of that that's in that for me. Yeah. What have I, how have I not created an environment where he can feel safe? But there's also, you know, he has to own some of that too. Oh, so yeah, it's just, we, yeah, like we're all every day waking up, keeping ourselves safe. And it's so different. And that all goes back to our childhood, yeah. all of it. And it's just crazy to think how our first five, six, seven years shapes forever on this planet massively massively i think that's why it's taken me 30 40, yeah 34 years to actually own and you know start yeah. to start I, I believe i'm living my true identity mm. now at 34 not anything previous like was just like you said a byproduct of my yeah. environment yeah and um you were just now, waking up coping the best way that you knew how in my surroundings yeah you know, which, in your environment yeah exactly. exactly right so but it was funny with what you just said i listened to this thing um thing about forgiveness mm-hmm. and it said exactly what you just said it said like forgiveness people don't hurt you because of you mm. they hurt you because of what they got going on mm-hmm. and to forgive like i've forgiven my mother we've got an awesome bond now yeah. like a one that I probably wouldn't have if I didn't go. Through, we both didn't go through what we went through, you know. And um, it's that forgiveness. There's yeah. so much power in that. Like yeah. so much power in forgiveness. Yeah, so true, so true. That's awesome. That's no. huge. But it, it, like we were talking about this off air before we got on, and you know about males and and not owning their stuff, and yeah. it's it's very ego driven. Like they don't drop their ego. It's very hard. But um, because they don't feel safe to. Because not enough men like are having that. those conversations. Yeah. You know, like. Blows that, my mind. That's why we kicked this off. That, yeah. That's, yeah, like nice it was me. just so we like Mark's ve- like as I was saying off air. Mark's very good at being open. You know, obviously going yeah. through the the program that he's in, he's very very good at being open. And I'm not so good, but I can show the people that you know you, you get on, you put the work in, and you become more open and more vulnerable over yeah. time. Like you, you'll never reach that period where yep, I'm completely vulnerable. Oh. Open, you know what I mean? It's always a work in progress. But yeah. Yeah, us getting on the mics is, you know, sort of leading the way and, and showing people. you know what I love about that so much? Like, you know, men that are, like, respected within the community, young men, families, you know, friends, you know, athletes. Like, when men like that are stepping up and saying we can do better we and we're going to lead by example, mm. that's what's inspiring. That's what's going to make other men feel safe to do that. They're going to listen. They're going to, you know, maybe even reach out, message yep. you, contact you, look further, ask for book recommendations, whatever it is. Yep. They're all at, 
different points. You know, we're all at different points in our journey. Yeah. But what you're doing, I feel like right now, is just revolutionary and I think it's so needed. It you is know, needed, yeah. It is. It like is. we did a um, charity event a couple of years ago for a, a, um, the men's shed because, you know, male suicide, we all know, mm. is so rife. And I looked at the men's shed and what they do and I was like, they don't do anything different to what we do. We connect through fitness, mm. but it's not about – like there's so much more to it than that. We go for coffee, we delve mm. deeper, we talk, we, we are there for each other. The men's shed, they do the same thing, but it's over pottering and building yep. and welding and, yeah. you know, woodwork. But that's their that's their avenue yeah. to connect. And the then world. they give it they give it to the community. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. a sense of community. You yeah. know, it's not just a business. Belonging. Yeah, it's not just like a business. It's like it's a community as yeah. well. That yeah, and to be for people, I speak for myself. But when I was in the the mix of my rock bottom, I just wanted to feel belonged. I wanted 100%. to feel belonged, and yeah. I didn't know where and yeah. how to find it. And I'm so grateful for. Like we said, Sean, that mm. had a company that when I was working for him, I felt like part of the team, mm. you know. I was yeah. going through my own demons and alienating myself but when I was there and I had that structure of work, like I felt mm. belonged and like it's like anything, whether it's a business, whether it's having coffee or going to the gym or like your mates, you just – you want to feel a sense of belonging yeah. and a community. Part of the family. It's yeah. the one human need. Like we are wired for connection and belonging. Yeah. Number one, hands down, you cannot survive without it because as a child when you woke, you knew mm. – yeah, and this is why we develop the behaviours and the conditioning that we do that are destructive if we don't get that love and support and nurturing because we depend on our, our mother from the get-go to survive. Mm. We know that. So as children, we will do whatever we can to hold on to that connection. And so if our mother's struggling with anxiety, depression, um, alcoholism, whatever it is, we don't grow up thinking, oh, something's wrong with mum, you know, she's going through her shit. She hasn't worked through it. We wake up, we think something's wrong with me. Mm. I'm not lovable. Yep. I'm not worthy of connection. It's about me. So that's what traps us. So we need that love and connection and belonging. We all need it. You know, I love that saying. There's a saying, life is about the people that you meet and the things that you create with them. And I love that because I think at the end of our days when we look back and we think who had an impact on my life, like who influenced me, mm. you know, what did I create with them and what did we – like you and Sean, mm. he will forever be in your life because yeah. you'll have this amazing connection but then guaranteed you'll have that impact on someone younger yeah. that needs you. And then it's all – we all pay it forward and then at the end of our days you look back and you think, well, what, what was I here for? What was my purpose? Well, I feel – you know, without blowing wind up, With up myself. Fellas. Yeah, I'm I'm doing that yeah. unconsciously. Like yeah. we just spoke about, you know, like um, obviously we said off air, like I'm in recovery from like ice addiction. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like uh, of the mix of the mix, and I'm not embarrassed to say that because yeah. the person that I've come out and and fit, like we said, the rock bottom. Like you can't get any lower than that. Yeah. But like I do a gratitude list every day. I do readings. I put it out there, and we go to the beach with, like you know four or five young guys in their 20s yeah. that are like in that football culture awesome football players and yeah. stuff like that but we're unconsciously instilling values and you know guidance for them mm-hmm. and and not even that like people will message me on me on me social media saying oh you know your gratitude list i love reading them i wake up to it and like i don't do it for that mm. that's just that's just the I, that's just a gift yeah from waking up and showing up every day yeah and um you know there's no better feeling for that and not even that like josh well like he said he's changed his life around the last 12 months and he come and stayed here the first night that he 
walked out on the Central Coast, you know, and just to see him grow mm. in, in 12 months, you know, your best mate, and he also did that for me. So, you, know, you know, you don't find that anywhere else. And that's, uh, you know, that's what we're here for. Like, yes. why live a life where you can't be proud of what you did? And and so many people don't, like, so many people chase the wrong things. Uh-huh. They think, if I earn more money and I buy that big house or I buy that nice car and I do this, I lose that weight, I'm going to be happier, I'm going to be mm. happier. You know, if you died tomorrow... What would you want people to say about you? No one's ever going to say, oh, she had an amazing house or she had a thigh gap or, you know, she had a great Instagram account. No one. I had this conversation maybe a week and a half ago with with someone and, um, yeah, it was like, do you ever think about when you die who would attend your funeral? Mm -hmm. All the time. Yeah. Because that is the sign of who you were. Yeah. Really. Yeah. You know what, I mean? what do people say about you? Mm. You know, and, you know, and I always ask myself, like, if I died tomorrow, what would people say about me? Don't get me wrong, I'm a human being. I've made plenty of mistakes. Mm. Yeah, we all do. But at the end of it, I know, I feel like I know what people would say about me. I know that women at La Somme are going to say, I am better for coming here and knowing there would have been. I have friendships that I'm going to take in for life because of that. I'm, you know, I started that business I always wanted to start but never did because I didn't feel a community. I left that destructive, toxic relationship because Mm. I finally had that support. I finally healed my horrible, you know, relationship with myself and I'm now my own best friend. How good is that? Like that just gives me like, is it like a Mm. feeling inside right now, like a buzz that's just so good. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, it's it's only in a small little way, like it's a couple hundred girls in Carrington and maybe some in Maitland. Yeah, but but then what they're... What they're influencing exactly. outside of that, like it's a it ripple grows, yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. Like we we catch up, like you know, once a month for dinner, like. Mm. And at first it was just Mark and myself, and then then it went to you know three of us, and mm. then four, and you know now it's at five, mm. and then pre uh, before COVID, you know there was like one of the boys started opening up how. You know, he was sort of hitting the alcohol, you know, behind like, you know, in the closet sort of drinking and that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, we didn't catch up because of COVID. And mm-hmm. then now we, when we caught up last time, like, you know, he's lost weight, hasn't touched the alcohol, yeah. you know. and That's he's awesome. Yeah, he's... Um, Three months. Yeah, he's exercising heaps. Yeah, like in, you can see it in mm-hmm. him. Like, yeah, it was so good. And and now like circle of friends that go out for dinner, like none of us drink, you know what I mean? None yeah. of it, like we, it's all positive talk yeah. and it's like... <clears throat> Yeah, we're just encouraging everyone for growth and that yep. sort of thing. It's so good. Sometimes, it's so rewarding to see. Sometimes all people need is one person who will believe in them. And and ideally you want to get that from your parents. Like when you grow up, mm. your parents are that. But some of us don't get that. No. But and, and, you know, your life is changed by, you know, every now and then like just having those one or two people along your journey that look at you and see you and understand, you know, what's going on for you. And they can reach out and just show that little bit of kindness and support you. Your life has changed. So <clears throat> I know this for sure because 10 years ago, my ex and I bought a house across the road from a CrossFit gym. Uh, do you know this story? No. <clears throat> so this is where my story really began. <clears throat> and this is back when people didn't even know what CrossFit was. Like mm. it was just like not a thing. Bought this house. I was about 20 kilos heavier than I am now. I wasn't happy. I was just lowest of the low and you know i'd wake up in the morning and see these people doing these exercises and i was kind of like what is this started waking up at 5 a.m every morning just watching you know i was watching girls running rowing skipping riding doing pull-ups picking barbells putting them above their heads amazing strong amazonian women thinking Mm -hmm. what is this and this is the irony most people especially women 
would look at that and be intimidated to go over there and think, oh, I don't, I can't do that. Very. But I, because my background with surf lifesaving, I had grown up very sporty mm. and I'd gone through ups and downs with my fitness and my weight and I'd been very, very elite and athletic and strong, but then I'd also gone through, you know, and I just looked and I knew that was the thing I needed to do. I had no hesitation, no question. I was like, I know I'm going to suck at that for a couple of months, but I know that give me three to six months and I will be in the best shape possible. That's what I need. Because at the time I was a member of a gym, like I was doing body pump, body attack, mm. all that. Oh, God. <laughs> CrossFit was intimidating for me. Like I was training at Planet Fitness when I was living down the coast and I would drive past one every day like I need to go in there. Yeah, so it took ages for me to actually take that initial step. It's intimidating. It is, yeah. So, but but I wasn't intimidated. So that's but it's funny more of thing. a family environment yeah. than a gym will ever, 100%. ever, ever be. You will know the co- like, yeah. Mm. So one day I just thought, great, I'm going over to sign up. And so I went straight over there, looked for the owner, the coach, walked in and I was just like, what is this? This is like something out of a Rocky film. Like I was just <laughs> amazed. There were people everywhere. So I just, you know, straight up to him and I said, I want to sign up. Like, you know, how, what is this? How does this work? What's the deal? Like I wasn't really even sure what CrossFit was. Um and he looked at me up and down and he said, darling, this is not for you. And I felt there's so much shame and humiliation at that moment. Like like I could not stop. Like I, I was just – all I could do to stop from crying. And I walked out and I just remember thinking, God, like I just so badly wanted to be a part of that community. Mm. And I knew I was capable of that but I just didn't – I needed to start, somewhere to start. So months later – I bumped into a friend at a barbecue and he'd lost about 15 kilos, was in great shape and just looked so happy. And I said to him, what have you been doing? And he said, I've been doing CrossFit. And I was like, damn it, I really want to do that, but they won't let me. Um, And he said to me, come to my CrossFit gym. The community is amazing. The owner's so lovely. And I was like, no way. And he convinced me, kept going, kept going. So I agreed to go with him the following Thursday. And I remember all week thinking to myself, I'll come up with an excuse. I'll tell him I'm sick on the day or whatever. And he sent me a message that morning. I was due to meet him at five that night. He said, don't even think about cancelling on me today. I'll see you <laughs> at five. Yeah, he, knew. he knew. He knew. Do you feel by that guy belittling, like belittling you or saying no, did that mess around with your self-esteem? Or? Oh, 100%. I was one of those girls that didn't really fear going into a gym, yeah. but now I was. Yeah, right. So it's funny. Most women are the other way. Yeah. I, I had no, you know, I had no judgment of myself. I was like, I knew I wasn't in good shape, yeah. but I knew I needed to start. Yeah. Like I needed to do something to get there. Yeah. So I went to this other gym and I was riddled with anxiety and I never get anxiety. Like I was shaking. I was so scared. And it was like, I remember like getting out of my car and it was like I was looking down on myself just going, what are you doing, what are you doing, what are you doing? And I walked in there and I had the complete opposite experience. The owner came and met me at the door. He was already expecting me. Nerida, nice to meet you. Come on in. Shook my hand. Introduced me to five of the members. It was so lovely. Mm. The first workout we did was five rounds of 400-meter run, 20 box jumps, 20 pull-ups, 20 burpees. It was insane. And I was so out of shape that this gym was on an oval and I remember like everyone running around this oval coming in on their last first 400 and I was like lucky to be at halfway point. I was so <laughs> slow but I didn't care. I wasn't yeah, judging myself. I was really lucky that I had that sporting background. I was just like this yeah. is going to suck for three months. Anyway, got in, did the workout. Everyone was finished, did my last set of burpees. Everyone around me got down and did another – like did my 20 burpees with me at the end. Oh, awesome. And I was just like, what is this? Like who are these people? Mm. Everyone was high-fiving me. Oh, yeah. One lady hugged me. 
And I was just like, oh, my God, what is this place? I felt instantly like I belonged. Mm. And the coach said to me, what did you think? Did you enjoy it? And I was like bursting into tears. And he said, what are your goals? And I said, I really want to lose this 20 kilos. And he said, fine, turn up, come five, six days a week. I will help you. Mm. And to the day, the day I signed my membership, 12 weeks later, I'd lost 21 kilos. But not only that, I had friendships. I finally looked forward to going to the gym. I was an athlete. I was doing pull-ups. I was, you know, running, you know, two kilometres, like fast. Mm. I was rowing. I was squatting. I was just, I was just like obsessed with the style of training because of what it made me feel. And, you know, I look back on that time where I was like, and and from that, obviously, my life is so different now. Like, you know, it that gave me the confidence. Like having a, being a part of that community made me see that I was not in a good relationship and it gave me the confidence to leave that. Mm. Finally left that. Then 12 months later, finally gave me the confidence to quit the job that I wasn't happy in. And I still didn't know what I was going to do. And then eventually I started Lassom. And now I look back and I'm like, one of the worst things, memories I had was actually one of the best things that ever happened to me because had that guy not given me a chance, Mm. my life would not be, like I don't know where my life would be now. Mm. Having that community that accepted me, welcomed me, supported me, put my life onto a totally different path and now I'm here giving back and trying to inspire and motivate and encourage other women to be better Mm. and... If that guy hadn't been that, like I would never have, you know what I mean? Like how different would my life be had I not yeah. been given that second chance? It sounds like a bit of a spiritual awakening to me. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And I was just thinking about it like um, I, th- I believe like by you buying that house and that being mm. across the road, that's like a universe thing. It was the fir- I mean? the only one CrossFit gym in all of Newcastle. Yeah, that, and that crazy. second gym only opened. This went like, because everyone's like, oh, when they hear that story, did you go, did you, you know, go, fuck you, I'm going to go and join <laughs> another gym. And I was like, no, it shattered me. I I had no confidence then. I was like, oh, well, I can't go to another CrossFit gym. No way. CrossFit's not for me. Like I'm not elite enough to do CrossFit. And this is not to bag out the CrossFit brand because I have to say I've been affiliated Mm. with that sport in Mm. some way. I am the biggest advocate for, especially locally, mm. and and it's done more for me than anything. But but that one experience, mm. I was just so unlucky to have had that one bad experience. But the majority of gyms and owners and people that love it and the coaches do more for the sport than any other sport on this planet. But it, now I look back and I'm like, yes, I was gifted something. Because yeah. it's I, like it's funny. I wasn't an insecure. Like I knew I was overweight. I knew I was out of shape, but I just didn't care. But it was for a reason. Like yeah, hundred percent. You weren't meant to be at that gym. Yeah, you were meant to be at the one that you went 100%. to. Hundred percent. And then that formed your passion. Totally. And, you know, I was meant to have those two polar experiences, so I could sit back and go. I never want another woman to feel that way again. Mm-hmm. I want, and so now at my gym, we have this rule, the five-second rule, and I go on and on and on about it. The minute you see someone walk through that front door, because that's the most intimidating thing to rock up for the first time and, and probably every day for the first month, maybe even a couple of months. That is the, the most daunting thing. Sometimes just getting there is, mm. is such a battle for women. And so we need to meet them halfway. Like, oh, I've considered all sorts of things. Buying a bus, a mini bus, and going around and picking them <laughs> up. Like, you know, it's like how do we insp- like, how do we make people feel safe? Because mm. they don't feel safe to come. Right, yeah. You know, so it's like it's the best thing ever happened to me. But that is really what shaped what Lasom is all about and my mission because I've seen that. And, and you know, 
what a shame. That guy just totally dismissed me, did not know what I was capable of, did not know. Like I'm, I've got to say, like I, I am one of the most mentally tough people you will ever meet. Like he just judged me by looking at me. He had mm. no idea what I was capable of. Like you put me in the gym and I'll kill myself before I let you beat me in a workout. Yeah, like right. I am yeah. hard as nails. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. F you. But <laughs> damn, like look what path it led you 100%, on. You know what I mean? like, 100%. Look at what you're doing now for women. That's so. right. Yeah, well, that's like, remember when I went down to the coast, like I moved down the coast and then when I first started CrossFit, like that's sort of where, you know, my change sort of started happening, yeah. not on the level that I'm on now, but, you know, I started like, yeah, eating a lot better, not drinking as much and that sort of thing. Yeah, because you're CrossFit. around people that are yeah. like going out for breakfast and coffee mm -hmm. and going for walks and then training rather than... It's a different quality of people that yeah. do CrossFit compared to a gym. Yeah, there's it's, more um, families, there's more... It's more, yeah, people with families. Um, mm. Like I feel like, um, I feel like it's like a nerdy sport, like mm. people that are doing like good levels of degrees in uni and that yeah. sort of thing. It's, yep. yeah, it's... Um, do you know what I love about it? You could walk into a gym like this is – I remember thinking this so much when I first started at that gym. I remember looking around and just going, there's a 16-year-old schoolboy here in his school uniform and then there's like a 60-year-old doctor yeah. <laughs> and then there's everything in between. Like yeah. I loved that, you know, there was this commonality. Like you were in a, in a room, everyone's doing the same thing at their own level, their own pace, and we're bonded through going through this workout together, like surviving this – kind of torture but how would like you know my girls talk about it all the time like we've got this um really kind of high-end obstetrician she's super smart she's got kids and she's just a, a real like educated woman that just you know like you put on a pedestal and then we've got these young like girls that are like in their 1920s that are just a bit hopeless if you know at uni and they're just having fun and they're really like they're really connected and they always say, "How would where else would we have ever met or mm. you know gotten to know each other? We would never have crossed paths if it hadn't been for this gym." Yep. So I think you're exposed to people that you would never otherwise be, yep. and they're and they're so different from you. And we all know that. Mm. That's where we learn. That's where we grow and where we learn when we meet those polar opposites. Yeah, most definitely. Because if we hang around people just like us, we don't grow. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's what I love about it. It just brings. This whole array of people together. Yeah. I think that's because if you're open-minded, you know what I mean, and you attract the same people and, like you said, there's so diverse community. Yeah. And you can – there's always room for growth. And yeah. Learning, so it's pretty You know special. what, but you probably have them same people at a gym. You just don't know it. You know yeah. I mean? like totally. It's and just, you just the environment that it gives you, like that CrossFit thing. So yeah. I, yeah. Don't, I don't do it no more, though. <laughs> it's too hard on the body. Oh, I'm the same. It's it too of, hard on the body. Yeah, beats so. you off a bit. It does, just a tad. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so we'll get, you know, into what you've created, but um, we'll get a little bit deep. Yeah. Like, um, obviously, go for it. Um, you've had some dark times as well. Mm -hmm. You want to touch a bit on that? Or? Yeah. Oh, geez. Um. So it, this, I feel, will help a lot of yeah. uh, female listeners. Mm. So, yeah, this is just about the yeah. vulnerability side of things. And yeah. Well, interestingly, um. So, you know, I would say I battled with depression my entire life, um, but I don't think I really understood that until probably 10 years ago when people started talking about mental health. And for the first time I could relate. I was like, okay, I can see that this is what's been happening for me. Before that I didn't really have the language around it. I was just, yeah, really, really – I was coping the best way I knew how. Like I was, you know, there were – now I understand there was trauma there and I was just coping however I could. Um, so, 
you know, I probably over the years have gone through bouts of like being worse than others, but I think maybe three, it would be four years ago now. Um, I kind of just had this episode where like, a, a you know, a whole heap of, I suppose, you know, negative or destructive things happened in my life at one point. And it just like, I had honestly my whole life always thought about committing suicide. I, I just, um, I can't even explain. I think I just didn't see any other way out. I was so tired and so sad and so just didn't see any hope for myself. Like I didn't think I would ever amount to anything on this planet. Like I didn't think I was ever worthy of anything mm. good happening to me. You know, I didn't grow up in an environment where I was told or told that I was worthy of things or I was, you know, seen and heard and validated and loved and appreciated and I just didn't have that experience growing up. Um, and, you know, it's really interesting. I listened to a lot of – have you heard of Brene Brown? No. She changed my life, 100%. I listened to some stuff that she talks about and she says, generally what will happen is when you grow up with a destructive home life, when you go to school, you will go extra – you will make extra effort to fit in because mm. you need to belong somewhere. So you'll either bully people and you'll have your little gang or you'll be super sociable and popular because you, you work so hard. Mm. Um, whereas if you have a good home life, it doesn't really – if you go to school and you're not accepted, it's not a big deal because you know you belong at home. You, you know that your family will always accept you and love you. Yeah, right. So I remember like overly trying to fit in at school but, you know, my parents were deaf and you know what it's like at school. If you're in mm. any way, shape or form different, you will be picked on, bullied. You're a target. Yeah. Mm. So I really struggled because I felt like I didn't belong at school, felt like I didn't belong at home. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'd always just felt so lost and just I always had this sense of that I would not want to be here one day, but it was my love for my brother and sister that just kept me going. I, was, I grew up really having to be the caretaker for them and I just that was the only thing that kept me going. But I, do you know what? This is oh, it's so sad when I think about it. I used to think when they're old enough – and they get married and they have their own families, then I'll leave because I'll mm. be okay then. That was actually the mindset I had. Like I just – and and I was so okay with it. So I went through this like – it was like a, a weekend or a week of like really, really just I, – I could not – like I was so, so deep and low. So I really took steps. I was like I'm really – I can't do this anymore. I am just a prisoner of my own mm. – myself – um, so I just, yeah, I totally took steps to think about taking my life. So I, you know, I went through my whole apartment and, you know, I remember thinking about my brother and sister that would have to come and like pack up my stuff. So I was like, get rid of as much as of you can, what you can so that they have less to do. I wrote letters to everyone in my family. I wrote a will. I, I wrote down exactly what I wanted to happen with Lassam and who would run it and who would own it and, you know, what I, the future I wanted. I wanted it to continue. I wanted a legacy to continue, but I just <clears throat> couldn't be around anymore. Um, and, yeah, I was I was so calm for the first time in my life. Did something in particular trigger yeah. you? Yeah. Or? Yeah, I went through a breakup and um, it wasn't even – it wasn't even actually – it wasn't like I was with this guy for a long period of time or anything like that, but it was It was a really toxic – I allowed myself to be treated really, really poorly and, 
you know, he was younger and it was immature and it was just hard to explain. A few things happened that now I look back and I realise struck a wound within me, mm. a, a rejection wound that I had from my father mm. and it just exploded. It just affected me in such a way and it had nothing to do with him. It was because of my mm. my conditioning, my history that it, it affected me so like badly. Abandonment stuff. Yeah. yeah. For me, I've, I think I've got a little bit of abandonment, but a lot of rejection. Yeah, right. My father okay. constantly made me feel like I was not a part of the family. I was reject. I was just a separate. Mm-hmm. He used to call me the black sheep. Yeah. You know, he would, you know, sit in the lounge room and we'd be watching a family movement and he would tell me, out, you're out. You're not sitting here with the family. You're out. So I always felt like this is the first time I've been able to talk about this without crying. This is yeah. weird. And, and you know what? I'm okay with it now because I know that's how he was treated. So I understand it better. I'm not okay with it. It's not okay for anyone yeah, to go through that. Well, when you're a small child and you're being told to leave a room and your yeah. family are watching this nice movie, that's not okay. But I have forgiven him because I now know he went through much worse. He was sent to boarding school at the age of three. Mm. He was deaf. And 50 years ago they got beaten, you know, he was mm. he had a horrible childhood. So I can forgive and feel better about it. Mm. And for whatever reason, that helped him to cope, you know, unleashing that, like projecting that onto me. Mm. And you know what? But it's made me like the person I am today. Like, you know, my whole life I was like, why is – why? because my brother and sister quite well – like they're they're more adjusted. They're a little bit – like they just socially, you know, and I always used to just struggle and why me, why me? And, you know, now I look at it and I'm like, this is why Mm. because everything was – putting me onto the path for the next thing. So that weekend I I took all these steps and I was like, for the first time I felt so calm and I was like, this is going to be over soon. I just could not handle it anymore. I was exhausted. Like I'm talking, I was so mentally, uh, spiritually and just physically fatigued. Like my whole body, it was just the weirdest thing. So I was like, it's happening, I'm doing it. And I, you know, I had all, I had previously – Every now and then scoped out, like, you know, what I would do, how I would do it, you know, and just researched it, like, to that point. Like, I had so, you know, massive suicidal, te- you know, thoughts mm. and tendencies and, idea, you know, idealization, you know, idealization. Um, and so, yeah, that weekend, I remember, you know, going up to, um, you know, the S Bend up through King Edward Park. There's, like, a little cliff there where... It's a well-known Strange spot. Lucky. Yeah, Strange yeah. Lucky. And I remember going up at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon and um, I even had a letter in my car like to explain, you know, where to go and what to. <laughs> mm. And I sat there for hours and there were, um, there were people kind of coming through. It was daylight. So I thought I'll just sit here until it gets dark and then, you know, then I'll do it. And then I remember this young group of kids came in and there was a picnic spot and they were hanging out there and it was getting dark and I remember thinking to myself, God, I just wanted them to leave. I was so anxious. I just I just wanted it to be over. I just wanted to do it. And they were sitting there for hours and hours and hours and I could see a couple of kids looking at me and thinking this is weird. Why is this chick sitting in this car? Mm-hmm. And I was like going through tears and then I was calm and I was going through all these emotions. Um, and they, it would have been hours they sat there and then finally it would have been 9.30, 10 o'clock they left. And then I remember thinking, don't leave. Like I didn't want them to leave. So they left and uh, I remember sitting there and then every now and then a car would come and I just was sitting there and I'd get up and I'd walk to the fence 
And then I'd get so scared and I'd come back and I'd sit in the car and I'd think, just give me another half an hour, like I'll, in half an hour. And then, and then I'd go to the fence and I'd go over the fence and then I'd be so fearful and I'd come back. And then I'd think, you know, midnight, I'll do it at midnight. And then, you know, I would go to the fence and I took two or three steps. And, uh, like, the fear I had on that ledge, like, you know, I'll never forget it. And I'll never forget, like, how alone I felt. And I remember just looking back and thinking, if people that loved me and cared about me knew that this is what I was doing right now, what would they be thinking and how would they feel? So I came back and I made this deal with myself. I said, because I thought, you know what, I'll just go home and I'll come back tomorrow. I'll just come back tomorrow. I'm not ready yet, but I'll get there. I'll come back tomorrow. And then something snapped and it was like calling me out on my own bullshit. I was like, you're not going home. You are here. You either step off that ledge or you ask someone for help. Like I'm talking, I had battled with my own self for so long, no one around me had any idea. Mm. People thought I was this happy, positive, outgoing person and I was to other people but deep down I had these demons that just I had never felt safe to open up about. And I just said, that's it. You're not going home. You're not going to go back and pretend and go through this cycle over and over and over. You've been talking, you've been thinking that you were going to do this for so long. Here it is. You either do it or you don't do it. But if you're not going to do it, you ask for help. And I called a really good friend um, who, you know, I, I really feel for him. Like he's, you know, a dad, he's got kids. He's a, you know, he, I always joke that he's like my father. He was like my CrossFit. He was the guy that, you know, changed my life and still to this day is one of my closest friends. And I remember calling him and he lived at Cardiff and he was there within nine minutes. Like he just flew. He knew something was not right. Mm. And I went and I stayed with him and his family for three weeks. Like I could not be on my own. And I, I for the first time, opened up about how much I was struggling. And Did you feel a sense of relief? Oh, yeah. Straight away? Yeah. Mm. For the first time, I just felt like, you know, it was okay to be taken care of. Yeah, it was okay it to have someone, you know, look after me for a change. So you were worthy. Yeah. I had yeah. always looked after other people. You know, and, and this is two years into having Lassom. So, you know, I was like helping women and I was, you know, caretaking and I was doing all these things. Meanwhile, you're dying But yet I never felt like I could ask for someone to take care of me. I never felt safe to actually say I'm not okay. Is that because do you feel you always felt like you were a burden growing up? Yeah. Is that, is that I what? was always the one having to – like so my parents, because they were deaf – that meant I had a certain level of responsibility. Like they couldn't really communicate with people. So, you know, like it was so funny. Even my school, like my my sister and brother, our school, the school we went to, you know, if, if you did something naughty, mm. they would call your parents and they'd tell, you know, look, he's done this, he's WAP school, come on in, we have to have a meeting. I was that person for my, yeah. my brother and sister. Everything was falling on yeah. your shoulders. I was one called into the principal's office and said, your sister has WAP school for the last two days. So then I was going home trying to parent, like parent her. She was like, "You're my like, don't tell me what to do." So you know, I always was the kind of parent. I taught them how to drive. I helped them get their first jobs. Like you know, I just was that person, and no one was that for me. Like you know, like I, my, I had my basic needs met, of course, mm. but my emo- yeah, my emotional needs were never met. And yeah, I just had no other. Like I didn't know how to 
you know, get myself. I had no idea what to do. Yeah. And that's something that I like said to one of my friends, like um, who's going through a lot. Like there's, you know, there's probably two or three huge situations in their life at the moment that they're going through and um, you know, comes across very strong. And, you know, like I just message them and tell them, you know, look, like I've got a shoulder here. Mm. You can dump it and cry on me. Like don't bury it. Just mm-hmm. don't bury it. You know what mm. I mean? Let it out. You need to let it out. Yeah. yeah. Just don't ever like suppress and hold that stuff in. Yeah. It's just unhealthy. Very, yeah. very unhealthy. It is. So. It's detrimental. It is. How like like if if there is like people listening, like how how hard was it to make that call? But then also mm. like how rewarding was it like? Oh, it was like yeah, it was really hard for me, really, really hard. Like, you know, I just never felt like I could ask for help ever in my life. Like even when I was in a relationship, I, I never, like, I never relied on anyone for anything. I was always like, do everything yourself. So it was really hard. But, you know, like if I hadn't done that, like, and I, I look at it like I was calling myself on my own bullshit. Mm-hmm. I'd always had these ideas that I was going to take my life and that was what I was going to do. And that was just a cycle and my way of coping. And then when I called myself on that bullshit and I was like, okay, do it or don't do it, but stop doing this cycle. Mm. It was the best thing because it just, it created that shift. And then I was like, okay, I have to look at this now. I have to deal with this. Why am I feeling this way? And then like I had on and off over the years seen counsellors, psychologists, life coaches, and I just for some reason never felt like it was all talk therapy. Um, And then – when this episode happened, you know, my friend said, you know, who, how are we going to get support for you? So I went to see this um, counsellor and weirdly she put me on to Brene Brown who is revolutionary for talking about vulnerability, shame, you know, and our childhood. And so she said to me, listen to this lady's TED Talks and then read her book. I walked out into the car park and I sat there and I Googled her first TED Talk and I was literally hyperventilating, crying, watching this you know, TED Talk, because it was all the stuff that made me finally feel like I wasn't a freak, you know, talking about shame and about how much shame impacts you. And I had so much shame, like, from growing up and about vulnerability and how there's so much power in that and letting others see you for who you truly are and how that's this first step to healing. I watched them, like, three times. They're, like, 20 minutes. I sat there for hours. And then I bought her book, um, Daring Greatly. I've read it five times. It's incredible. The, if, if you asked me what book do you have to read, like there's only one book. That's it, Daring Greatly, and I've read it over and over and over. And I finally just for the first time in my whole life read this book and I was just like, I am not alone. It's okay to want to belong to something. It's okay to want to connect and it's safe to do that. And now I just have to take those steps to heal. And it was the first time, you know, I think the, the last 10 years there's been this um, – you know, mental health is, is always changing. So at first it was like, okay, let's identify anxiety, depression, PTSD, all these things. And then it was let's talk about it. So go and see someone talk about it. But, you know, my personal opinion, just going and seeing someone and talking about it over and over and over isn't really – it's a good step, but there's so much more to it than that. And she was the first woman that really taught me about the power of your own self mm. and about, you know – catching yourself on those thoughts, those negative patterns and just choosing a different way, being more reflective, being more open, being more, um, you know, observant of your own triggers and and those patterns and behaviours and then doing things every day to intentionally create that feeling of safety 
wellness, um, happiness, love, and that's different for everyone. Like mm. for me, I like to get up and move. I like to meditate. I like to write. I love to journal. I love to read. I love to listen to podcasts. I love to get in the water. Everyone's different. And I think when you realize that this is a lifelong journey and there's no quick fix, it's not like go to a counselor once and all your problems, you know, it's it's a daily practice and it's, it's those a, one percenters yeah them in. yeah yeah i heard it's you know life's a journey and there's no like no destination no. at the end yeah, you know? you're never there no. you never that was my next question for you like um what structure do you have in place now to ensure that you don't slip back into them old ways of thinking well you know what i i do i, I believe there's the thir- first 30 and the last 30 minutes of your day is what makes you who you are so First, you know, I'll get up straight away and I'll grab myself a cup of hot water and lemon and I will just sit and I'll just breathe and just meditate for five minutes. Just sit and just, you know, listen to some music and just be with myself for five minutes. Watch the sun come up. Then I will, you know, walk to the gym and then I'll listen to a podcast and then I move. And I'm connected. I'm with the girls. Mm. I'm Endorphins are pumping. Feel good. Then I come back. And I'll make a cup of coffee and I'll sit and I'll journal. And I'm really big on now future self-journaling. So um, I now um, am really trying to become more emotionally literate and understand the behaviours that I generally carry out and then what behaviours I'd like to carry out. So, you know, you know, I'm an energetic person. You know, I've got positives but I've also got some negatives. I'm, mm. I can be judgmental. I can be opinionated. I can be you know, quick to, to, you know, comment, quick to make, you know. So now I'm really trying to to tell myself today I want to be more accepting. Today I want to be more loving. I want to be more warm. I want to be more open. I want to be more positive. I want to be more, you know, thoughtful. Mm -hmm. So now what I'm doing is I'm intentionally creating those behaviours every day and I have a couple of words each day and they usually have a similar theme. So, you know, I, I think about my day and I'm like, who am I seeing and what do I want to create with them? How do I want them to feel? So um, today I've got a staff meeting. Cool. I'm going to the staff meeting. We've got a lot to get through. We've had a, a tough six weeks. Mm. How do I want them to feel coming out of it? I want them to be inspired. I want them to be motivated. I want them to feel safe. I want them to feel connected. I want them to feel, you know, you know, excited. So how am I going to do that? Well, what am I going to bring to the table? Rather than just thoughtlessly going into it. Yep. You know, I even did that before I got out of my car and came into this podcast, I sat there and I thought, right, you know, what do I want to bring to this today? What energy? How do I want these guys to feel? What do I want to pass on to them? You know, I don't want to bring in negativity and I don't want to bring in judgment and, you know, like, you know what I mean? It's just really being intentional with what do I want to create that day? And then at the end of the day, I'm, you know, like it's not about not slipping back into those patterns because – I think when you talk like that, it's like it's an, a bad thing. But what we have to realise is I'm 37 years old. Mm. That's I have repeated those behaviours every day for 37 years. That's going to take me longer than 12 months. So I'll look back and I think, okay, I'll give myself – I'm all about becoming my own best friend right now. Mm. Like because for me, I'm you, you listen to the stuff I say to my girls, I'm so encouraging, supportive, positive, uplifting, but to myself, mm. I am horrible. I say that, you know, and they, they there's this yeah. ad that's really cool where two women sit down and, you know, a, a woman will read out like the most horrible things to this other woman. You know, you shouldn't – I don't know why you're wearing that shirt. You look a bit fat today. 
and what's going on with your hair? And, and then and this other lady, sit, like they plant these two girls next to a woman who has no idea what's going on. She's listening and she kind of, after a while, she stands up and she says, you can't talk to your friend like that. And then what they actually do is they open it up and give it to her and they say, this is your diary and this is how you talk to yourself every day. Yeah, wow. Why is it okay for me to talk to my friend like this but yeah, it's not okay wow. for you? That's powerful. Yeah, that is and powerful, it's so man. true. And this is the biggest thing with us. We we would never speak the things to somebody else, to our children, no. to our loved ones, but we are so critical of ourselves. And guess what? You can't truly practice anyone. You can't truly be authentic Nothing goes out without starting internally first. Yep. So you yep. can't truly be loving and accepting of others if you're not loving and accepting yourself. You can't truly, you know, um, you know, trust others if you don't trust yourself. You can't truly be optimistic with others if you're not optimistic with yourself first. Mm. So it all starts with the self. So what I'm trying to do is be kinder to myself. So I'll look back on the day and I go, all right, I had that one meeting. It didn't go that well. I probably was a bit triggered, probably got a little bit anxious, but you know what? It's now I'm recognizing it. Mm. Twelve months ago, this would ne- I would no. never even have these thoughts. So well done. That's one tick. And then a couple of weeks later, that meeting goes a different way, and I'm mm. like, Nerida, you just went in with total intention, and you are open. And she came out of it feeling like, well done, you. Like yeah. I'll give myself a little pep talk, and I'll journal on the things that went well. Yeah. And then I'll journal on things that I can improve on. But I don't judge myself and berate myself like I used to. I just see it. I I acknowledge it. Next time I'm going to aim to do better. But I'm a human being. Mm. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to shift this, you know, this totally unconscious pattern that I have lived every day for Mm. 37 years. How powerful is awareness? Yeah. It's very powerful. And that's what it is. I'm the same, like similar to you, like growing up in my family system, I was always give, give, give to everyone else, Mm -hmm. but never to myself. Yeah. And um, I heard a good thing when I when I went away to rehab. It's like if you've been lost in the woods for 37 years, it's going to take you more than 12 months to get out. That's right. And it's so true. That's really cool. Yeah. It is. Like it takes time. And you know what? So many people never get there. No, So many people on this planet mm. don't ever look at this stuff. Mm. So well done on you for even getting to that point. Yeah, correct. There are, you know, so many people on this planet that are just asleep to it mm. every day. It's so a small percentage of people that are at your level. Oh, you know it's, I mean? it's yeah. minute. It really is. It's totally, like mm. it's, yeah. And when you get to sort of that level and look at the awareness and everything, like even when I go now to the shops or and walk past, like, you know, if you're at Westfield and you go up rooftop, and you walk past and you just observe and you notice like groups of people, you know, in yeah. their phone, no conversations, yeah. no healthy, com- like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just. Um, yeah. And you just wonder like how well do these two people know each other, yeah, you know? Right. How mm. connected are they really? Like, mm. you know, so many of us in are in relationships um, or we're in like playing out fi- family dynamics and, you know, we're not truly, we don't truly see each other. We don't truly mm. let ourselves be seen. And we're just in these dynamics that feel feel good because it's hiding something deeper you're will, unwilling to look at. You know, like I see it all the time, people falling into relationships just to escape themselves mm. yeah. because they don't want to be alone. They yeah. just they just want someone there but then as soon as that person goes or, so, or something goes wrong, they lose themselves. Mm. So yeah. I think that's so important to know yourself and be okay with that, accept that and to, you know, there's a big movement about self-love right now and I think what I'm aiming for is self-neutrality. Like it's not about looking in the mirror and saying to myself, I love myself and you're amazing and this and that because I don't believe it. So it feels so inauthentic. Mm. But what I'm aiming for is just to not have the hatred that I used to have. So Mm. it's like, you know what, 
you are doing the best that you can. And today you had a few little wins. Well done, mm. you. Acknowledge them. Yeah. Yep. And just, just to not, uh, I'm not on that self-love and that full-on like, you know, but I'm not on the hate. I'm just in that middle spectrum where I'm like, I'm okay with myself right now. Yeah. I'm okay with who you are. And I actually am starting to like the person I see in the mirror. Yeah. How and that's that? a great step. That's like... Um, Get to it, that first. Yeah, 100%. Like when we're talking about relationships and people not knowing each other, I um, you got a big grin on your face there, Chip. <laughs> like I... um, yeah, Something like if I'd like... Like I like to do is, um, you know, five questions, write them on a piece of paper, scrunch them up. I'll write five, put them in a hat. And I'm talking like heavy, vulnerable questions. All right, let's have dinner. Pull a question out. Let's go for it. That's you know awesome. I mean? Yeah. Well, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna dive deep into the person. You're gonna get to know that person. You know, and that's the thing. Like we are all having these surface level conversations. Mm. You know, we're having. You know, we talk about the weather. We talk about sport. We talk about what you did on the weekend. Yeah. You know, they're just so surface level. And you know, it's interesting. I read a really cool thing once that was like, when you become awakened and when you become enlightened those sorts of people and conversations will drain you. So I am like that. When yeah, I go out, when I, yeah, when I, like right now, I'm so energized. Like good. We yeah, don't have I them conversations. I could sit here all day. I could sit here all day and talk yeah, and I would us. still feel good at the end. Yep. But yet if I went out for drinks with some friends and all we did was just talk surface stuff, mm. I would feel drained and uninspired and just like, oh, I just want this to be over. Mm. And so You're I've, not growing from <clears> it. You're not, yeah. you're not growing from it. So and, and I just now know... And don't get me wrong, it's good to have fun, but, like, I now understand that, you know, be very aware of what energy, how you feel around different people and what energies, yeah. you know, you, you engage with around them. Mm. And then just put yourself around those people like this more and more that you feel, like, excited and safe to delve a little deeper with. Yeah, there's energy takers and there's energy givers. Well, yeah. just got releases endorphins and, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, what I was smiling at <laughs> yeah, is because you smiling? say about, like, people that are really in touch with self-love, like my best mate and Josh's mate, um, up, Kyle, man. where we're going to Sydney, I did um, program with him and he is that much delved into self-love, like, like I had an awesome higher self, like everything that you know, like closest thing to Jesus. <laughs> but, um, and he, ha we have these conversations. But like you said, I'm, you know, I'm not there. I'm learning self love because I'm still at that stage where I want to give, 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 give. I, I do love myself, mm -hmm. but I like to see everyone else happy. And like when we go up and have these conversations <laughs> with him, it's like at a next level. You yeah. Know? But when, like you said, when you said all day, it flashed <laughs> up. I'm like, I can't do that with Kyle. <laughs> Kyle called me yesterday for my birthday and, um, like oh, I spoke to him for birthday. like, thank you. I spoke to him for like 10 minutes and as I pulled in the garage, I said, mate, I need a nap now. It's, it's seven in the morning. Like you've done me, I'm done. So. People say that about me too. Yeah. I'm very full on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Like well, I think last time we went down Cronulla, we, um, we caught up and we had some big, heavy conversations at dinner and breakfast. And then we drove home on the Sunday and I don't even think we spoke to each other. Like, <laughs> we were just like, like we're good. Yeah. Put some music on. I do not care. Because you, you do like, with every growth, there's a little bit of like, like, you know, with every sprint, you've got to settle and you've got to like, like they talk about that with healing. Like you can feel really energized and you're growing and you're learning and you're just inhaling all this information. And then there's a point where that needs to settle and yeah. you need to like sit with it and just absorb you know, it. Yeah. Let it all just soak in. And, and I will see that in my routine in the week. Like I'm so on the go from Monday to Friday. Mm. Like my ex used to say to me, I don't know how you do it. You're up from 5 a.m. and you don't come home till 7 and you're just, and then I just, and sometimes a bit too extreme, it's burnout. 
And then on Saturday, I'll make a point of catching up with family and friends and doing something fun and being out there. And then Sunday, I will not leave the house. <laughs> I will just go into, you know, and that's where I'm just like, you know, or if I go to a seminar, like I went to Tony Robbins last year for four days. That guy gets on the stage from 9am, doesn't stop till midnight. He has one break for half an hour. Like I'm not even kidding you and he's on the whole time. And I'm just like, how does he do this? Mm. Four days straight. I came home. I took a week off work. I literally <laughs> didn't do anything. I was just like absorbing it all and just like taking it all it, in. Yeah. And I was like, my, my body was just like, whoa, like you've just been through this, you know, adrenaline, four, four days of full on adrenaline and learning and and now I just need to like retract and just like hibernate. Mm. So I think that's okay. That's um that's a good way to do that, really. You know, really just absorb it and yeah. then um you know and then I, let it soak right in and yeah. process it over a couple of days and not let work or anything else interfere with that process. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really big now. Like if I go and do a, an event or or if I go to an event, like if I speak in an event or I go and listen to an event, if I'm a participant. Um, you know, if there's something where I know I'm going to be stretched, I'm going to be challenged, I'm going to be, you know, learning, I will make a point of scheduling nothing in that next morning. Mm. From the minute I wake up to lunchtime, I've got nothing on. And I'll turn phone off, do not disturb, and I'll just wake up and mm. I'll just have a cup of tea and I'll just sit and I'm just like letting it settle. And I might journal on it. I might call a friend and talk through it or whatever it is I need. You, I create that space for myself. And I think that's been a big game changer for me because – you know, I never did that in the past and then I don't think I fully absorbed some of the stuff that I probably needed to. Yep. Yeah, it's true. That's like today, you know, we um, took the day off to do a couple of like podcasts and like I'm similar to you. I'm up at 3.30, I go to the gym, I do my morning routine around mm -hmm. the gratitude list and stuff and then mm -hmm. when I get home at four, it's just family. It's like mm -hmm. kids and that, I want to switch off. I want to be good. present for them yeah. and my partner and um, like – but. I'm always on the go where I don't really slow down enough, but that's why this podcast has been so special to mm. me because I get to have these conversations yeah. and it's a form of a, like a hobby that mm -hmm. helps me grow and keeps me on the straight and narrow. And mm. like, I think that's where I'm so, uh, so lucky to have this, you yeah. know what I mean? Because well, I am on the go. It. Yeah. Well, I, I'm on the go all the time and yeah. like yourself, it's, and it's sometimes you do just get in default settings and you're just like, yeah. you know, rolling, rolling. It's like five weeks later and you're like, shit, where did that go? Yeah. You know I think mean? it's, I think that's something that's really new to me, having that downtime. Yeah. It's so important and I've only really learnt that mm. this last six months going through what I've been through. Um, and I think it is important, especially for people like us that are so give it any, giving mm. energy and just out there and just, you know, I think it is important to have that space and time for yourself to just whatever it is, whether it's just sitting and meditating, sleeping, mm. even sometimes just watching Netflix and just turn, switching off. Like it's important to have, you yeah. know, it might be go for a walk and get in the ocean. Like yeah. balance. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think you can burn out so easily. Like I I would say, like I worked, I reckon, every early morning and then all day and every evening, coached every class for the first three years that I had Lusom, mm. and then every weekend. And I just and then I remember almost getting glandular fever. Like it just hit me and I couldn't get out of bed for months because I was so depleted. Trained. And that's when I realised this isn't like yeah. sustainable long term. No. But I you think you've got to do that though mm. with a new business. You've really got to yeah, put that Yeah, you have to. You've got to do yeah, what you've yeah. got to do. Yeah. But <clears throat> do you know what I've found? Like, and the best thing gift that my ex brought me was <clears throat> I, w I ran this business for years, never took a holiday. Mm. He was kind of like, what? You've got to go on a holiday every now and then. Yeah. And I remember the anxiety. When I went away for my first week away, oh, God, I, 
I was just, I couldn't trust, even though I had the most amazing team. Mm. Like, actually, the place runs better when I am gone. Yeah. <laughs> but it was this control. Contr- yeah, exactly. But we went away and went camping for a week and I turned my phone off. And, oh, sorry, for the first week it was, I would turn it off throughout the day and then check it at night. And that was a step. And, you know, that was when I went away and I th- it gives you that space and time to think about the future. That's, that's what I now call my creativity time. Mm. So it's like, okay, what am I actually, where am I? Because what happens is when you're on autopilot and you're just day to day, you don't get that time to dream and mm. to create and to force, you know, what does the future look like? You're being a little reactive. Yeah. Reactive. And then you don't create anything. Like all the top business people that I listen to take that time. Like they have that, you know, Bill Gates talks about it. It's my thinking week. He'll go away into the bush, not one bit of, um, you know, um, technology. technology. Yep. And he will read and he will journal and he will – and he's like, right, what next? You know, and, and you know, um, the guy who created Apple, what's it? Bill, oh, no, that's Bill. That was Microsoft. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, uh, Steve, was Steve it? Jobs. Yep. He talks about a lot. He would always constantly pull himself out of the business, go away and think, what next? That gave him the time. That's your creativity. That's where you start to go, you know, like what – and that's when Maitland happened. You know, for me, the app – all these things were created because I took myself out of the business and I went away and I was like, right, what now? Yeah. Every bit of growth and success has come from me, having you know, that having that time. downtime. Yeah, you need it. Do you believe um, all your adversities in life has guided you to find your passion and your purpose in what you do now? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's interesting, you know, like I, I really believe the universe is always unfolding exactly as it should whether you want to believe it or not. Yep. Like, and, you know, adversity, no one miss, no one, you know, adversity comes knocking on everyone's door in some way, shape or form. And I'm a big believer. Like I look at my journey and what's like, you know, I was on a podcast 12 months ago and this never occurred to me, but somebody was asking me, why are you so passionate about body image and women and this and that? And then I mentioned something about surf club and he said to me, oh, so you grew up around women in their swimmers every day. And I was kind of like, yeah. I had no idea that mm. was such a huge part of what gave me the strength to go out there and try to show women, you know, that mm. it was okay to love yourself for your body, your shape, your size, whatever. Like don't, you know, focus on what you look like, focus on what you can do. Mm. Um, you know, I look at, yeah, I, I 100% believe that what happens around you and for you, whether it's good or bad, like or what we do, it's the meaning we give to it, mm. isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's like a breakup might happen or somebody passes away or like it's all unfolding as it should for you to teach you something. Mm. There's growth in everything and I'm getting better at seeing that sooner. I used mm. to wallow in that and not see it for such a long time. Whereas this year, particularly with coronavirus and my breakup and, you know, you know, not really having a stable place to live for a while because I was so un- uncertain about what was happening um, really forced. I knew at the time I was like, I know there's something in this. Mm. And do you know what it is? For the first time I'm delving into my own trauma. Mm. I have, I have, you know, ignored that. I, I knew I've looked into my mental health mm. and I worked on that. I've been very deep in that work for the last few years, but my trauma is different. And that was what stopped, like always stopped me from feeling safe to get close to mm. someone because your partner, your intimate partner is going to be the one that triggers you the most. Mm. And that's where the most growth is because, you know, we really, um, we seek out the people opposite to us because we want to heal. We don't want to be with people similar to us, whether we think we do or not. Mm. So, you know, now I look back and I see that 
with my ex, you know, that we were opposite, but that was good for us both because it stretched us in different ways and we grew and we, you know, grew in ways that we never would have otherwise. And that now that that breakup has happened, it's forced me to look deeper and to look at these patterns and behaviours. Yourself. Yeah. He said a few things to me that, you know, I wasn't aware of at the time about my judgement. Like he kept saying, I don't feel accepted by you. I don't feel good enough for you. And I couldn't understand that. And then I went away and I thought about it and I was like, well, like to other people, I'm positive and open and optimistic, but to my to him because he was my closest, you know, he's a person I felt safe with. Yeah. I would judge, I would bitch about people, I would talk about I would just, you know, constantly comment on other people's lives and what they were doing and and I had opinions. And guess what I was teaching him every day mm. that I that I I'm judgmental yep. and that deep down that made him you know it's like mm. well if she's judging them is she judging me yeah that's right and I did judge him yep. you know so and that was because I was judging myself yep. I didn't know that at the time that's and what, that's what I was going to say like were you do you feel that you were doing that because that was your way of making yourself feel better because 100% like, yeah. 100% I was projecting it mm. because I didn't like the way it made me feel so I put it you know, I was like, it's them, it's them, it's them. Mm. But deep down I was at war with myself. Yeah, correct. And I would never have done that work and I'm still doing it. It's still so overwhelming. I would not be here doing this if it wasn't for that breakup. If it wasn't for losing someone I cared and loved so much and mm. it was so painful. Like I've, bro- I've been through breakups and, and I think it's because of my age and it was funny. Like I went to a psychologist and he said, well, you're going through grief and shock. Mm. And it's true. I'm grieving the life like I thought we were going to have kids, get married, all that sort of stuff. So I'm grieving that. And so, yeah, it was definitely the most painful time of my life. Like I've never felt that sort of deep pain. And obviously coronavirus, like, and then you're going through isolation. So my family, I couldn't see them because everyone was, and my um, nephew, like I'm very close with my sister and her kids. He is immune, you know, he has croup. And so I couldn't go see them. Mm. And, oh, it was that, I reckon that first six to eight weeks, it all happened at the one time. Yeah, It was just like. I, oh, it was tough. And then I was living with a couple that I just moved in with and didn't really know, like, you know, I was living with this couple and just like, I was like, what the fuck has happened with my life? Like, who am I? It was just, yeah. But it was probably meant to happen that way, you know, because give you your time, you've got to deal with that stuff yourself. I I know that when I went to treatment, it was four weeks of complete lockout from Mm. the world and your family and sugar and caffeine everything that you rely on to get away from yourself mm-hmm. i had none of that and mm-hmm. i needed that mm-hmm. i remapped my whole thinking well, especially around the childhood trauma yeah. stuff like massively yep. i still hold on to that stuff mm-hmm. like i don't know about yourself but like when i get real close to people like sometimes my disease will pop up and try to um self-sabotage that because mm-hmm. i'm like no nah, i don't i don't feel worthy mm-hmm. to have all this good stuff in my life and mm-hmm. i still struggle with that a little bit but i've got awareness around it yeah do you know what I mean? L- like, listen to that. Yeah. That's amazing. And, that's and do you know what? You're not self-sabotaging. Mm. You are coping the best way you know how. Yeah. You're not waking up intentionally going, I'm going to sabotage this relationship because I don't deserve it. Yeah. You are doing what you had to do as a child to, to survive. Mm. That's what you're doing. Yeah, correct. So it's okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, in, when you were a kid or when you are an infant or whatever it was, you had to behave that way to keep yourself safe. Mm. And as an adult, you still think that that's what you need to do to keep feel safe. But now you can talk yourself down and around off that ledge and you can say, I'm safe to get close to somebody. I'm safe here. And even if not, even if they do leave me or they abandon me or whatever, I'm going to be okay on my own. Yeah, correct. So it's like you're not – I hate that term self-sabotage because 
we're never intentionally so, like I get it. Mm. We're coping, mm. and we're, we're we're adapting to what we ever, however we had to adapt as a child. We're all a product of our environment. What we had to do. Do you know what I'm a big believer? Like, there's a really cool um, saying like, problems will come knocking on your door, and things that you need to look at, and and you know someone will knock on the door, and you ignore it. They come back, mm. and you ignore it. They come back, <laughs> Got to and all, all of a sudden they kick the door down. Mm. And I look at every breakdown, breakthrough, whatever it is, breakup, you know, in my life, and it's all always been like the smashing of the – it's all mm. happened all at once. But now I look back and I see I had the opportunity before. Mm, Chris brought up some things beforehand, but I didn't listen, didn't listen, didn't yeah. listen. And unfortunately, you know, it took that total, you know – it was so far deep and then mm-hmm. it's so funny. It all happened around coronavirus, business closing down, all of that. But it was like the door was being slammed because I was unwilling to open the door mm. and look at it. And that is the one lesson I've learned. I will mm. never let that happen again. I don't know what it is, but, you know, I, I've been on this, you know, self-development, self-discovery journey for so long. But, you know, and I'd always talk about, um, you know, growth and business and life and relationships, but personal intimate relationships – I didn't do any of that work when I was in my relationship. I don't know why. Mm. It's like there are so many podcasts, interesting courses that you can do to learn how to be a better couple, to learn how to meet each other's needs, how to communicate better. And I never, ever gave that the time of day before. And that's one thing I'll never let happen again. The next relationship I take on will be a very conscious one. Mm. It will be a very much what do you want in life? What do I want? You know, what are your needs? What are my needs? You know, and how do we find a way because that's what we're all on this planet to do we want to be happy but we want to make others happy communication is a massive one in relationships like what you said like um you know i i once like talked to a psychologist and it was like when you're in a relationship and you're having an argument like you're too busy trying to point school so you're not Mm -hmm. taking in what they say you're like oh yeah but when you did this and yeah and like vice versa and it's Mm -hmm. like okay don't just listen to what they have to say and try not to point school so Mm. i try to be aware of that i'm not perfect have you heard of um the gottman institute no this is really cool so there's this like um social research you know um company over in the states and for the last 30 years they they say they can watch a couple in five minutes and they can determine whether they're going to last or not. They, and they, oh, they've wow. done this. They've, what they, they built this house, like a little Airbnb, and they put sensors and cameras in every room. And they invited couples to come and stay for the weekend and they just observed them. And they observed, you know, you know their facial expressions, their urine when they went to the toilet, the way they start, like how they communicate. Um, they talk a lot about um, – so their big concept is there are four pillars that we can – that. Uh, detrimental to relationships one is criticism Mm. defensiveness stonewalling and then i always forget the other one um i I always forget it um and then they talk about so the minute you see that come into a relationship you know more and more it's on its way out and they also talk about bids for connection so say for instance you know we're a couple and and i say to you oh it's a nice day today you've got three choices to respond you can you can turn inwards which is like yeah it is a nice day it's beautiful out there why don't we go for a walk that's meeting my bid for connection you can either um turn away which is oh yeah it's all right move on you don't really connect or you can turn against 
oh, it's not that nice. Like, it's meant to get rainy later. Like, you know, like, <laughs> why, don't you go, why don't you go for a walk? Like, yeah. it's, it's how often you, and, and bids for connection, like we are bidding for connection every day. Yeah. Look at this article I read. Look at, like, you know, mm. look at, like, our little son or whatever. Or let's go for a walk. Or it, could, it, it can be in the smallest things. Mm. I had a discussion about love languages. and um, Huge. Yeah, and, like, what they said to me was, wow, like, you actually know that? Like, yeah. So, That's um, so good. Mm. And if you know your partner's love language, because what we do is when we have, like, you know, we give love how we think we want to receive it. Correct. But mm. so, you know, my love language is words of affirmation, 100%. So I, when I love someone, I tell them. I tell them all the things I like about them. I talk about admiration, respect, da, da, da. But if your love language is physical affection or, or quality yep. time, yep. you don't feel loved when I say those things. No. So that's the... That, that would make me feel awkward, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so it's so. like... Understanding that, having that conversation, do the quiz. Yeah. You know, I, I knew about love languages for years and mm. we never, I never did that quiz with my ex-partner. Yeah. I have no idea why. Yeah. You know, why did I not feel safe to do that? Yeah. Um, but the Gottmans, they, they talk about bids for connection and they talk about a healthy relationship has to have 80% positive bids. Yeah. So generally you need to be turning inwards, turning, you know, constantly. And they're fascinating. The stuff that they share about relationships and they do this podcast called Small Things Often. And it's really cool because, you know, some of this stuff is pretty heavy. Mm. And so they, they make this thing about they do lots of little short podcasts. Mm. They're like three to five minutes. Mm. And it's all tips and tricks on how to have a better relationship. It's yeah, fascinating. Right. And it's very easy to absorb. So yeah. easy. Yeah. Like I, that, I, that yeah. three, four minute. Yeah. yeah. And sure. so you could listen to it with your partner and then talk about it and go. Yeah, have a good And discussion. they even talk about, you know, how often do you like to have sex? That's a big – like sex is – you know, such an important way for people to connect. Mm. It's the most intimate that you're ever going to be with someone. Yeah. And most people never talk about that. You know, you might want to have sex four or five times a week. You might think that's the way that you experience love. But your partner, she's had a few kids, <laughs> she might be like, oh, my God, or I'm happy once or twice a week. Yep. So then you're feeling, you know, unwanted, unappreciated, resentful. Mm. She's feeling like I just want more help with the kids or whatever. <laughs> or it could be, you know, some people, like it, it might be about, you know, when you have sex. Like for me, I'm such an early bird. I, I Come nine o'clock, I'm like half asleep. <laughs> so for me, this is getting a bit deep, but like for me, I'm more of a morning or during the day like playful, whereas, you know, my ex, he was nighttime and he's a night owl. So yep. he'd be up to like 9.30, 10, 11 o'clock at night and I'd be like so tired <laughs> because i got to get up at five. Yeah. So had we had that conversation mm. and then gone, all right. It strengthens. Well, it just strengthens yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we're going to aim for this many times a week and we're going to recognize, okay, I like to do it at night. So mm. maybe on a Friday, Saturday night when you don't have to get up in the morning, that can be our time. And mm. then let's try and, you know, slide in some fun, playful daytime. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And then when you have that conversation, you both, you know, you understand each other better and therefore you can fulfill each other's needs and therefore you can both be happier. Yeah, I've actually had that conversation like about what sex means in a relationship. Um, mm. Like like a couple of times over the last couple of days, like I caught up with a mate and um, and the first thing, you know, it's all about, oh, the sex is amazing, this and that. And I'm like, well, where's the foundation work, man? Have you got any foundation mm. work? What are you building from the ground to mm. hold that? You know, if sex is, is at the, uh, like the top of the, you know, mm. the relationship, that's, you know, the most organic sort of part of it. Like, yeah, what's holding that up? Is that a new relationship? <laughs> is it a new relationship but he's talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and do you know what's funny? So, like, 
the first six to 12 months, right, when you meet someone new, you know, you lay in bed and you're just so excited to mm-hmm. be next to this naked body and you're like, and, you know, you're just fascinated with them. You look at them and you want to kiss them and you want to touch them mm. and you just, you're so, you know, enamoured with them, right? And then the kisses and that slow down but, over time. But yeah. then three or four years in, you lay there and you're just like, oh, my God, he's fucking snoring. Oh, my God. He just farted. Like, he's disgusting. So, so true. But, 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 you know, isn't it interesting? Like, and, and I think I, I, it was really interesting for me to go through this because I was at that point where it's so easy to lose appreciation. Mm-hmm. I lost my appreciation for my partner. And then when we went through our initial, like, breakup and, you know, I really, you know, you lose something and then all of a sudden – you're like, how did I take that for granted, mm-hmm. being with him and, you know, what he wanted and I didn't listen and this and that. So it's like you have to intentionally choose to appreciate someone every single day, it even definitely. when that attraction dies off because yep. it always does. Well, it's like a campfire, you know. Right? You light a campfire up, once the wood starts burning away, yep. it starts going down. You've got to add more wood to it. So you've just mm-hmm. got to keep adding to that relationship and putting in the Constantly. Work. You've mm. got to constantly every day choose to ask yourself, what is it that I'm choosing to see in this person today? Mm-hmm. You know, because – and, and we fall out of love so easily because not because of the person, because of how we feel about ourselves. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we put blame, that person's not making me feel this way. I'm not feeling good in the relationship anymore because of this. Well, when you meet your own needs first and you don't rely on someone else to, then you don't get to that point where the blame, and that's when you both have a good relationship because you know you, feel, you, know, you fulfill your own needs, you fulfill your own needs, and you're there to make each other yeah. happier, not happy. Yeah, you you, got, it's up to you to make yourself You've got happy. to find someone that complements your life, that not is your life. Yeah. You make your life, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, but as, yeah. But, like you said before, relationships are, are massive triggers for people. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, it's, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, that, that person, it's the most intimate person you'll ever have in your relationship. So it's that, tr- you know, closest trigger to you. Like, mm. it's funny, you know, like we are so, like the people around, like, the people that aren't close to us, you know, if they did something to annoy us, it wouldn't really bother us. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're just like, oh, she's carrying on like a pork chop, whatever. <laughs> but when your partner does it, it really bothers you. Yeah. Why? Well, well, why are you so willing to forgive things that these people do, but yet you're – and do you know why? It's the meaning we place around it. Mm. You know, he didn't pick up his socks. It means he doesn't respect me. He's not being supportive. Yeah, it actually doesn't mean that, mm. but it's what you're making it mean. So it's like they trigger us so much because of what we make their actions mean. Yeah, very true. Very mm. true. All right, we might do the three before you flee. Ooh. got three questions for you before you flee. Sounds good. <laughs> First one is what motivates you to wake up in the morning? Well, you know, the legacy I want to live, leave. You know, I always think about this. I'm like, what do people say about you at your funeral? How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to impact the world? What are you here to do day by day? Um, and just try to show up. But now I think it's not so much for other people but myself too. Mm, yeah. It's like how do I actually make myself proud of who I am and, you know, heal that relationship with myself and, and accept myself more yeah. and really live, like live what I'm putting out there truly, yeah. fully, authentically, not just saying it but actually yeah, living it yeah, right. and okay. feeling it. You've been it. reading my notes. <laughs> 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 just answered the second question. <laughs> my next question is: What legacy do you want to be remembered for? Yeah. So, do you know what? I just want women to know that they can be supported, they can be included. Women are so fearful of being judged, but yet 
you know, they don't understand that other people aren't judging them, they're judging themselves. Mm. Um, I just want more, I want more people to feel better. And how do we do that? You know, we talk to people, we listen, we open up, we share, we connect, we love, we grow, we forgive. Mm. You know, we're all struggling. Not like I think that's the one thing I've realised this year. Even the people I thought had their shit together don't, don't have, have their, their shit, shit together. together. No. Yeah. No, and, and, you know, not enough people are talking about it. So <laughs> yeah. if what I can do is talk about it, and I know whenever I have a conversation like this, you know, because it's not like I'm a big deal or anything, but I have a business, so people think when you've got your business, you've got your shit together yeah. or that you, you know, are, like, confident and this and that. And then when they hear that you've gone through tough times, yeah. you have doubts, you they then go, wow, I don't feel like such a freak. And that's how I felt when I listened to Brene Brown. Yeah. So I feel like we all have a responsibility to to open up and share so that other people feel better about what they're going through. Yeah, correct. Well, I've had heaps of people reach out from our intro because we shared our story and just saying, oh, like even mates that I've played footy with yeah. all my life say, shit, I didn't realise no what to the extent of where, yeah. where it was. And I was like, you know, it's just about that opening up and when people can relate to it, gives them a space to open up as well. It's yeah. human. It's making people feel like it's okay to be human. We're yeah. all human. We're all human. We all and make mistakes. We've all got bad traits, good traits. It's yeah. um, Because, yeah. you know, suicide and mental health and is on such a rise. Mm. So we have to do whatever we can to, you know, like to limit that because, you know, it's just heartbreaking seeing people, you know, take their lives mm. or live life so imprisoned by their own minds. And mm. you just have no idea the impact you can have on someone when you just take that time to talk or connect with them or share your story or write back to a message and say, thanks mm. so much. Yeah, like if you ever need, key. yeah, yeah it's huge. It is. Yeah. It can change the course of someone's life. Yep, like yeah. it really can. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's right. Last but not least, what's next for Nerida? Well, I think I'm taking some time to just recoup personally and professionally. This has been, you know, the most challenging year ever for everyone. Yeah. Everyone's going through this. So for me, it's just about, you know, healing myself mm. and, you know, kind of figuring out what that looks like and, and really asking myself what do I want for the future um, in terms of the business and me um, and it's about, you know, really, I, I used to always think bigger is better. Like mm. the more gyms mm. you open, you know, the more impact you have, the more like reach you get, the, the more, more money headaches. you make. The more headaches you yeah, get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've learned that with Maitland. Mm. Like I'm having to split my time already just across two sites that mm. are within 25 kilometers of each mm. other. So I'm actually kind of trying to dig deep and ask myself, okay, you thought you were going to go and open 10 sites this year. Mm. Is that truly what you want? And if it is, why? Make sure the why is the right why because when I start, it's interesting. Like when you're on the right path, when you're in flow, things just open up for you. Like yeah. when I started the song, it was like I didn't even have to try. Like mm. I would I would think about, okay, today I need to find a location. And then I'd just run into a friend that was a real estate agent and he'd be like, here, it, like come and I'll show you this. And it just would, it would just happened. Mm. I'd meet a graphic designer and she'd be like, he's like, it was just so easy because I was in flow because deep down the intention and what I, the reason why was true, mm. pure, authentic. So I think I'm at a point now where I'm like, I feel like I've been hitting a bit of a brick wall this year. So why is that? It, mm. it, you know, and I, I had all these grand plans to expand and go all around Australia and I'm, I'm very, you know, open and honest with my strengths and weaknesses. I'm not a business savvy kind of person. Mm. Like 
I, the fact that my business has survived is pure accident. Like I'm so <laughs> hopeless. Like I'm disorganized. I'm, you know, not technologically, you know, advanced. I struggle with leadership. Like I have no idea why we've managed to get the success we've had. It's a reflection of yourself. Though. Yeah. Like I believe, like I'm not a very business savvy person, but my business is starting to grow more and more each day. But it's just about showing up. Yeah trying to find your true identity mm. and people feed off that. So mm. they want to be around you. Mm. And true. That's what I feel most – a lot of companies can thrive like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you've got these big businesses that, pardon me, that have all this, you know, a massive company, but they've probably got about 60 employees that don't want to work there. Mm. Exactly. Because of the people they are. Mm. Yeah. Where yeah, that is massive. I, yeah. I look for quality over yeah. quantity. Yeah. And like I want to, yeah. I only want to get to six people. Mm. That's my end goal. Yeah. But I want to find six quality people. I can do yeah. quality work and everyone's a happy team. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, that's I think cool. that's why you've probably built yours to where it is. Mm. And maybe it's not going any further because mm. you haven't come across that next person that yeah. can help you grow. Yeah. So, totally. So it's like, um, yeah, like I said, it's a reflection for you on yourself. Yeah. Why you, you might be business savvy, but you don't need to because you make it, you make up in every other aspect. Yeah. So. Well, that's the thing. I'm, I'm very good at surrounding myself with the people. Like, you know, all the people that we have in our team are have the same values, but they're very opposite. You mm. know, they have strengths in those areas, which mm. you know, it's like Steve Jobs talks about. Like, you're the conductor. You know, you know, you know, he he joked about how people would ask him, "What do you actually even do here?" I feel like that every day when I go to work. I'm like, I don't even know what I do. He comes but up with I an feel, idea yeah. and then he has the people there to implement the, the idea. Exactly yeah. right. All you do is talk about the vision, the vision, the vision over and over and over and then all of a sudden other people put it into play. Yeah. So I think I'm just – I think I, I'm just asking myself, okay, what is the future for Lassant? Like mm. is it bigger and better or is it smaller, more unique, more boutique, mm. higher end? Um, yeah. And, mm. you know, I'm just kind of exploring that a little bit mm. and – just trying to just solidify, just actually, uh, you know, six months ago, my accountant, you know, was literally talking me through, this was before JobKeeper and rent relief and all that sort of stuff. You know, I, I was looking at the overheads for my two businesses mm -hmm. and I was like, it wouldn't matter what I went out there and like what, like I would never be able to cover those expenses. Mm -hmm. So she was literally sitting me down and talking me through the exit strategy, like bankruptcy. She was like, okay, we keep pulling in this much a week, then we lose. We let go of these people. We pull in this much, we let go of these people. We pull, you know, at each point and then at this point you declare bankruptcy and, you know, you go and work at Coles for five years until well, do whatever you have to. And I just remember sitting there like just in shock, like this thing that I have worked my ass off for five years in is just obliterated, mm. like... And I just remember just thinking, like, how easily you could just lose everything. Mm. So I think the fact that I even have a business today, like, so many people have lost mm. everything. They've mm. lost their businesses. They've lost their jobs. You know, they, they're struggling. Mm. So I'm just trying really hard to support my community and mm. be there for them and just to be thankful that I still have a business because three, mm. four months ago, I did not see this playing mm. out. No, no, a lot of people are suffering. So, mm. but um, you talk about like hitting a brick wall this year. I think mm. everyone has, and we talked about that mm. this morning. Like, um, you know, like just even like dream wise, you know what mm. I mean? Like, just what twenty twenty's yeah. brought. Like, people yeah. are having like some crazy dreams mm. and everything. Like, it's just yeah, it's, it's yeah. And because I caught up with my dad like yesterday, and I said to Mark, he he seemed like a bit like a steps like behind. Like he's yeah. pretty quick witted and sharp, and he seemed a step behind. 
And um, and Mark pointed out, well, you know, it's it's 2020, and he has a resort um, over on Gilead in oh, Bali. Yep. So like that's been isolated. So yeah. it's just the same people every day. Yeah. And then he's come back and had two weeks quarantine in, <laughs> in the hotel. So yeah. I'm like. And like literally probably. yesterday was the day he got out of quarantine yeah. and come back up the Newcastle. I'm like, yeah, that's probably Fair why enough. he's a step slower. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's so. doing well to be one step more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah well. coronavirus has totally changed our social construct in the matter of months. Like yep. that changed the way we interact. Like even when I, you know, arrived here today, I was like, I don't know whether to handshake. Yeah, or, yeah, you know, I was the same. I don't, like, you know, it's changed the way we do everything. Yep. People can't play sport. People can't go to a pub like yeah. for a while we couldn't even go out and socialize like no. you couldn't there's so many things you couldn't do yeah people are shaming each other people are calling each other out on social media people are calling the police on each other yeah like it's you know the deeper level of what that is all about is but it's like there's something deeper going on that's yeah. really scary Correct. so i think it's just about survival no one's making any money this year. No one's killing it. No, no one except for zoom and like <laughs> like there are a few businesses that are thriving because People have had uh, to rely on it because after of pay and yeah, Uber. Exactly. yeah, yeah that's right. but no one else is really thriving. But it's like just solidifying and just you know going back to okay, yeah, we're still here, right? Let's keep Be moving grateful. forward. Yeah, yeah there for sure. is for sure. Be oh, grateful for the little things. On that, do you want to give your business and yourself a bit of a plug? Oh, always. Where, where can yeah. Yeah. find you? Yeah. Yep. So you can. We have a website, um, lasom.net.au. It's spelled L-I-S-S-O-M-E. We're big on social media, so we love the Instagram, Lassom Newcastle, Lassom Maitland, Lassom Australia. Um, you know, we have a podcast, the Lassom podcast, so head on over there if you're not yeah, sick of my voice listen. already. I like it. Give it a listen. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. But yeah, we're all over social media. We've got a site in Carrington and East Maitland, so any girls that are out there that want to come along and try it out, come and meet us. Like, We'd love to meet you. Uh, for sure, you're doing good things for the for the uh, females in Thank Newcastle you. area. It's, um, it's good to see you guys getting into the CrossFit comp. Well, before COVID, yeah, getting to the CrossFit comp and um, yeah, yeah, we love it. We love that community. We love being around, you know, mm. like th that support and connecting with other gyms. It's awesome. Doing great things. Yeah, love thank it. you. On behalf of me and Josh and Top Deck Podcast, we'd like to thank you for your time, um, and more importantly for your vulnerability, mm. um, your story. Even now, I'm getting goosebumps, but you, you know, it made me emotional mm. seeing that vulnerability and how much you open up and what you're doing for like women around Newcastle, it's, you know, very inspiring, very inspiring. So we'd like to thank you. We're very grateful for your time. Yeah, appreciate it. Oh, thank you, so really thank you for thank having you me on the much. podcast. And I acknowledge you guys for what you're doing. And honestly, like, if this is the start of what you guys are doing, I'm excited to see where you're at in 12 yeah. months' time. So are we. So yeah, we might have to get you guys on the Lassom podcast. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so, no worries. Too easy. Thank Thanks you. for your time. Thanks for listening.